So turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 26. Uh, this is the third installment of our Valley series. And this is going to go on for a while because we've, I've just found some really cool things as I've been studying these different valleys in the Scripture. The first one was the Valley of the Shadow of Death, Psalm 23, verse 4, I think it is. And that, you know, God is not only a God of the mountains, He is also God of the valleys, which some of the Syrians questioned. You know, isn't he a God of the mountains? Let's fight Israel in the valleys. We'll win there. Uh-uh. God is a God of the valleys as well. The second one was the Valley of Shaveh, which means the Valley of the Level Plain, and it's where all the kings met. It's basically where you have to choose who you're going to serve, but it's also a valley of giants. And in this place, there's no place to run, no place to hide, because it's a level plain. Everything is out in the open and can be seen. And uh, as I said before, it's where you choose between... You know, the God of this world or the God of the universe. So tonight we are in the Valley of Gerar. Gerar. The Valley of Gerar. And Gerar actually means lodging place. So this is a strange valley which you may or may never find yourself in. Because it's a very unusual valley with very unusual circumstances. So besides it being called the Valley of Gerar... If I could title this message, it would be Beware of Blessings. Beware of Blessings. We're, we're always asking for blessings. We sung a song, There shall be showers of blessing. Oh, that today they may fall. You know, and oh, Lord, we need these showers, and upon you we call, right? So we want these blessings, and blessings are great, but there is a danger in blessings. And we're going to talk about what that danger is uh, in this lesson. So the Valley of Gerar means lodging place, and it takes place in Genesis chapter 26. So to read the passage where the name of the valley actually is, we're going to go to verse 17, and then we're going to jump up to verse 12 and read to 17. So it says, And Isaac departed there and pitched his tent in the Valley of Gerar and dwelt there. There's a little play on words in this verse. You have Gerar, which means lodging place, and then you said he dwelt there kind of redundant, you know, so it, it probably sounds redundant if you're reading it in the Hebrew. And Isaac departed there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. So the important thing is what is the context of the valley of Gerar and what does the valley of Gerar mean in the context of this story? For that, we have to go to verse 12. So we see that uh, he is in the terror in Philistine territory. He is in the territory of Abimelech, probably Abimelech II, whereas his father dealt with Abimelech I. So Abimelech is, is like a, a title for those kings. Abimelech means um, uh, Avimelech, which means my father is king or the father king. So maybe this culture looked at their kings as they would look at their fathers, being a provider. Boy, sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Like a, a state. You know, we're to look to the state and think that our state is our parent and our state's going to provide for us from cradle to grave. I don't know if that was the way the Philistines were at this time, but the, the name Abimelech is pretty interesting in that regard. So here Isaac is in Philistine territory, in the territory of Abimelech the king. And then it says in verse 12, then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. Oh, great. Isaac's blessed. We all want blessings. Yay, God, bless me. Bless us. But uh, 
there was something that came with this blessing that maybe Isaac wasn't expecting. Then Isaac sowed in the land and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed or grew great. In other words, he became powerful. You get successful crops, you become rich. You get a lot of flocks and herds, you become rich. That was the currency of that time, more so than silver or gold. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. So with a bunch of crops, you're going to need people to harvest the crops. With a bunch of flocks and herds, you're going to need servants to kind of tend those flocks and herds. So he became like a little miniature kingdom in and of itself. He started amassing servants and started amassing a following and started developing a little community where he was that rivaled that of King Abimelech. So verse 14, it says, for he had great for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and great store of servants and the Philistines envied him. Wow. The Philistines envied him. They were jealous of this nomadic sheep herder that came from nobody whose father was Abraham. They become envious of him, jealous of him, feeling threatened by him. Can you imagine growing to a point where you're rivaling a local king? It's almost like uh, maybe, uh, you know, the Crips in the hoods, you know, encroaching upon each other's territory and you start getting angry at each other and, hey, keep on your side of the street kind of deal. And the Philistines envied him. For all the, and so this is how the Philistines dealt with their envy. <laughs> For all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them up with earth. We'll show you, Isaac. You're not going to stay around here. You can't water your crops without wells. You can't water your sheep and, and, and your, your cattle without water. We're going to fill those wells up, right? We'll show you. We'll make you move whether you like it or not. Verse 16, and Abimelech said to Isaac, go from us, for you are much mightier than we. Get out of here. You're too powerful. You got too much of a following. You're, you're, you're too rich. You're making me look bad. Get out of here. And it says, Isaac departed from there. Some kind of blessing, huh? He got blessed, but he wasn't expected getting booted out of his little homestead. And Isaac departed there, and he pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar, and he dwelt there. Okay, well, maybe I'm far enough away now that they're not going to bug me, that they're not going to bother me. So here's basically the context of this story. The valley of Gerar for us symbolizes being ostracized because of, fearful, because of the fearful insecurity and jealousy of others, or because you have um, the... the uh, convicting power and the provisional power of God upon you. When people realize that God has favored you and God has blessed you, they become jealous and envious of the blessings that God has placed upon you. No matter what those blessings might be, you may not have material blessings, you just may be happy. And they're just miserable because you're happy. Or maybe you did run into some money or, or got some kind of financial kickback and finally got something that you've always wanted and it's something the other person wanted and they're jealous and they're envious of that fact. You know, I mean, whoever drives by and looks at that sign who won the local lottery, like, that, that person doesn't deserve that $300. I needed that more than they did and I probably put more money into that lottery than them. 
Well, they're rich and how well they don't need that. Right? Jealous and envious. Yeah. So this is symbolizing being ostracized because of fearful insecurity and the jealousy of others because you have the convicting power of God upon you and God's personal uh, power of provision is upon you as well. Now, because I'm a little different, you know, I practice my faith a little different from most. You know, I wear these strings hanging from my belt loops, you know, or out, you know, these uh, fringes, and I wear this kippah. I've actually walked into a place, and I didn't say a word. And somebody looked at me and said, huh, well, who you, you think, uh, you know, they get all mad at me and say, oh, so I'm supposed to wear those too, huh? What? I didn't even say anything. So God must be convicting you about wearing these. Because I certainly didn't ask you to or tell you that you had to. You just kind of looked at me and assumed that. I mean, have you ever walked in and just because somebody knows you're a Christian, they automatically get convicted because you walk into the room? You know, you're not saying anything and you're not saying, oh, you're a sinner and you're a sinner. Oh, you shouldn't be drinking beer. You shouldn't be smoking a cigarette or whatever. You know, but people get convicted just because they know you're a believer and you walk into the room. This is kind of what this valley of Karar is. You know, so Deuteronomy chapter 28 tells us that if we love and obey God and we keep his commandments, that he will bless us above and beyond other people who don't know or serve the Lord. And, and we think of usually blessings as in monetary blessings, but we know that blessings aren't always monetary. I don't care if I'm ever rich. I mean, it'd be nice because I could pay off debt and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, if I come into a lot of money, not a lot would change because I don't want to live in a big fancy house. Just give me a cabin in the woods. You know, I, I don't need, you know, all the toys. I don't care about skidoos or four-wheelers or whatever. I might get a camper because I like to go camping. But, you know, not a lot would change. So, but blessings aren't always monetary. Sometimes blessings is having peace in the home. Sometimes blessing is having a great relationship with God or you being on the mountaintop in a particular area in your life. Or maybe there was uh, some legal issues or problems and God is working and sorting them out. And you're blessed in other ways. So blessings can cause others to be fearful, envious, jealous, and even feel convicted of us. And their attitude and actions if we let it, can put us in a valley. Somebody's trying to harsh on the blessings God has given you. It's up to you whether you're going to let their, them rain on your parade. Are you going to let them be your party pooper just because you're being blessed? No. That's their problem, not yours. You shouldn't feel bad because God's blessing you. You're doing something right because God's blessing you. And if somebody gets mad or envious or jealous or starts persecuting you because you're blessed, that's on them. Let God take care of them. Don't think about them. Don't worry about them. That's their problem. A lot of times they're feeling convicted because they know that they could be blessed in the same way if they would just surrender to God, if they would just confess their sin, if they would just be obedient and get their life back on track. But because they don't do that, they're, 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 not, they're mad at you because you did. I remember when I was in a backslidden condition one time, and my friend that I went around sinning with got right with God. And I got mad. And I tried to convince him to go back to the dark side. Because it was lonely there. I was the only one there by myself doing bad stuff. Ugh. Now, it reminds me of the Ibu people. 
Now, those of you who know me know that I've worked heavily and have been heavily involved with the Ibu people of Nigeria who can trace their lineage back to the lost tribe of Gad through Gad's sons, Eri, Areli, and Arodi. Now, the Ibu people of Nigeria are one of the most persecuted peoples, not only just because they're Christians and they live close to Muslims, but because even non-Muslims will persecute them because they are jealous of the Ibu, because the Ibu, no matter where he goes, no matter where the Ibu goes or what the Ibu does, they're always successful. I mean, they can go into a desert and plant a tree, a fruit tree, and it'll grow from nothing. And they're envious at that. These Ibus are very initiative and very inventive, and they're very entrepreneurial, very business-minded, and they're blessed in so many ways, politically, financially, you know, and they're, they're, they're great inventors, and they're, they, they're, uh, they excel in technology and other things like that, and the people groups around them are just jealous and envious of them. Because they are so blessed. Why are they blessed? Because they're God's people. Because they're one of the lost tribes of Israel. And God promised he would bless the descendants of Abraham. But yet, like Isaac, they're in foreign territory. They're in pagan territory. And they're being persecuted because they're being blessed so well. So, um, also, complacency and contentment in such blessings can put us in a valley. Sometimes we can be so satisfied with the blessing that we don't want it to change. And we want things to stay, stay the same. Blessings, sometimes they can be consistent and they can kind of waver in degree. And sometimes blessings come and go. And sometimes blessings are for all time and then some blessings are temporal. But sometimes we get complacent and too content in a state of being blessed and we enter the Valley of Gerar. This is a nice place to settle down, nice place to put down my roots. I'm gonna stay in the Valley of Gerar. I'm gonna stay in the Valley of the Lodging Place. And God's like, oh no, I was afraid this was gonna happen. Maybe God's up there and he wants to bless us and he's like, I wanna bless these people so bad, but I know that if I do, they're gonna to get too content with this blessing and they're gonna stay where they are instead of grow. And so if we stay in one place for too long, what happens? We stagnate, right? You know, if, if, if I just sat in a chair all day and just watched TV 24 seven, my muscles would atrophy and I wouldn't be able to get up to walk across the room to go to the bathroom. Because I'm not using my muscles, I'm wasting away just sitting there because I'm just so relaxed and so blessed because I have nothing to do, right? So sometimes complacency and contentment can put us in the Valley of Gerar. So specifically, the Valley of Gerar or the lodging place, there's three reasons for this. Number one, we revel in the blessings and we don't want them to end. Number two, we feel safe in the Valley of Gerar, away from those who are jealous of us, away from those who are persecuting us because of God's blessing upon us. Or three, we've been able to blend into the enemy territory, which is never good. Because if you blend into the, if you're living in enemy territory and you blend into enemy territory and people just forget that you're there and you fly under the radar, that's not good because you've stopped being salt and light. You've stopped being that city on a hill. And if people can't see your light shine, then what are you doing there? 
We're to bloom where we're planted, and we're also to be a light where we are. So these are the dangers of the Valley of Gerar and being in the Valley of Gerar. It should only be a temporal place where you live. So, however, God knows if we stay in one place for too long, or especially in the place of blessing, we stagnate. So what will God do to drive us out of the valley? Because it's not within our fallen nature to force ourselves out of the valley of the lodging place, out of the valley of Gerar, out of the valley of blessing. It's too good here. This is like paradise. I mean, you know, this is like palm trees and sandy white beaches and, and, and you know, those little cute coconut cup drinks with the umbrella in it. I mean, I'm just, this is great. Why would I want to leave? But God says, no. Take your blessing and move on. It's time to move. I've blessed you. You've enjoyed that. You've reveled in the blessing. Now you're starting to worship the blessing than the blesser. You start worshiping the creation rather than the creator. And we read about that in Romans 1, 25. Basically says that same thing. So what will God do to push us out of that lodging place? Push us out of the valley of Gerar? Push us out of the valley of blessing? Well... He sends persecution our way to drive us out. Because if you're too comfortable, then he'll make you uncomfortable in order for you to move out. So in Genesis chapter 26, starting with verse 18, it says, And Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham and called their names after the names by which his father called him. And Isaac's servants dug, uh, uh, dug in the valley and found there a wellspring of water. And the herdsmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdsmen. Oh, there goes paradise. Right? There goes the neighborhood. There goes the peace and quiet. And the herdsmen of Gerar did strive, which meaning they struggled, quarreled, fought with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Esek because they strove with it. So now, it's not such a paradise, not such a place of blessing, not such a peaceful place, not a place that you want to stay there when you got rowdy neighbors who won't shut up and won't leave you alone. And they dug another well, so he moves a little bit further. He dug another well, and they strove over that also, and he called the name of it Sitna. So that means strife. Accusation. So, an accusation, strife and accusation. And he removed from there and dug another well, and, and over that well they strove not, and he called the name Rehoboth, and he said, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. And he went up from there to Beersheba. So he was in Gerar. God's like, no, 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 you've stayed here, you've, you've outstayed your welcome. You've stayed here a little bit too long. You're enjoying the blessings a little too much. I've got other blessings for you, bigger and better than this. You think this is good. I got something better, but you're never going to experience that unless you get your butt moving. Oh, 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 so you won't go? You refuse to go? Fine, I'll do something to make you go. So the herdsmen of Gerar got on Isaac's case. And so finally, it says that he went up from there to Beersheba, which Beersheba means uh, seven wells or oaths, seven oaths. So, uh, going on to verse 24. So after the persecution, and he's finally moved on like God wanted him to, says, the Lord appeared to him 
that same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you. Wait, I thought he was already blessed. Well, it means that there's bigger, better, greater blessings, right? So if he stayed in the Valley of Gerar, which was a nice place to be, it was comfortable, had everything he needed, he was blessed there. He would have never experienced the Lord speaking to him or meeting with him personally as he does here in verse 24. So he's out of the Valley of Gerar. He's in Beersheba and it says, And the Lord appeared to him that same night and said, I am the God of Abraham your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and will multiply your seed for my servant Abraham's sake. And he built an altar there, and he called on the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there, and Isaac's servants dug a well. So we almost kind of see where Isaac stayed in Gerar so long, he ended up worshiping the blessing rather than the blesser, worshiping the creation and all the blessings of creation rather than the creator who gave those creations and blessings. And so, just for kicks, I'll go ahead and read that passage in Romans that I've already alluded to and quoted. So, Romans 1.25 says, Who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So, you know what it's like to worship a blessing rather than the blesser? As a parent, have you ever gave your child something that they really, really wanted? Oh, mom, dad, if I get this, I'll never ask for anything again. I want this so bad. And they just bug you all the time for it. And then they finally get it, and they're so excited, and they're so happy, and they run away, and they don't even say thank you. And then they treat you like crap for a week and get smart-alecky and sassy with you. Why? Because they're worshiping the blessing rather than the blesser. They are worshiping that gift that they wanted so bad, and now that they finally got it, oh, I don't need you anymore. You, you have already served your purpose. You're chopped liver now. And then they treat you bad. And you just want to snatch that thing and beat them over the head with that. <laughs> well, well, how do you think God feels sometimes? When he blesses us, and we're reveling in the blessing, and we forget to say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Daddy. So it's kind of the same here with, uh, with Isaac. So finally it says, and he built an altar there. So now he's, he's, he's stopped worshiping the blessing. He, start, he stopped focusing on the blessing. And now he's focusing on the blesser. And he built an altar there and he called on the name of the Lord and he pitched his tent there. Oh, he pitched his tent there. He's not lodging there. He's not putting down roots there. He's not building stalls and, 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 and corrals. He pitched his tent, which means he realizes he can't stay any, any, in any one place for too long. He's got to keep moving. If he's going to continue to be blessed, continue to walk with the Lord and walk in the Lord's will, he's got to be mobile. So it says he pitched his tent there and Isaac's servants dug a well. So he's going to stay there for a little bit. So, and it's kind of funny because if you keep reading the story, then Abimelech wants to make peace with Isaac because he still thinks Isaac's too powerful. Maybe Isaac and his men will turn on him. So he's like, oh, well, no, I didn't send you away like that. You, you, you took it the wrong way when I told you to leave. Let's make, let's make a peace treaty. Let's make a pact. Let's be buddies, right? So 
The question is, have you ever been or are you in the Valley of Gerar? Are you in a place in your life where you're just a little bit too comfortable? Where you're kind of hoping and praying that things don't change because you're just kind of enjoying where you're at right now. Maybe it's time to move on. Because if you don't choose to move, then persecution is going to come your way. It's going to force you to move whether you like it or not. And that's the way that God will get you out of the Valley of Gerar unless you leave the Valley of Gerar yourself. So blessings are great, but beware of blessings. Because what comes with blessings is sometimes you get com complacent. You get stagnant. You focus on the blessing more than the one who blessed you. Only because now you're not being persecuted because you're being blessed. I'd rather be blessed than persecuted than be blessed and stagnant. Maybe a true blessing comes with persecution. Because Israel's blessed. God's people are blessed. And they're persecuted all the time. But with that persecution comes greater blessing. A greater display of God's power. A greater display of God's blessing. A greater display of God's protection and provision. I know it's our human, fallen human nature. We don't like to be in vulnerable places or places of persecution. But Jesus gave us a heads up saying, hey, they persecuted me. Guess what? They're going to persecute you. If you look like me, smell like me, eat like me, dress like me, act like me, they're going to treat you the same way they treated me. And we can't be a friend of the world and a friend of God. Because if we're a friend of the world, we're not a friend of God. We're an enemy of God. Because this world is not our permanent home. This present age is not our, our present permanent home. It's just a temporary place. It's just a valley, one giant valley we're walking through. Our world is the world to come. It's the kingdom that's coming. For now, the key, we carry the kingdom within us until the kingdom becomes a reality when he returns. All right, let's close with a word of prayer. Lord, what a weird and unusual valley. Uh, I think I've been there a few times, and maybe some of us have never been there, but maybe we're, you're going to take us there. Because maybe sometimes we do need to lodge, we do need to rest, and we do, do need to soak up and revel in that blessing. But um, you, you can have too much of a good thing. Vitamins are great. I remember one time when I was a little kid, I said, oh, if one vitamin's good for me, then a whole bunch of vitamins will be better for me, and I got sick on Flintstone vitamins. I had too much of a good thing. And so sometimes we can, we can soak up too much of the blessing, and it's like, oh, okay, okay, you're getting, you're getting sick and fat now. It's time to move. Lord, I pray that you would give us the wisdom that when we're in the Valley of Gerar, that we lodge there long enough to heal, that we lodge there long enough to appreciate and properly appropriate the blessing in our life and realize when it's time to move on because I know that if we don't and we miss that time to move on, you're going to send persecution our way that's going to force us out of that valley, that valley we grew so accustomed to. And we're fallen human creatures, creatures of habit, and we don't like change. But Lord, that's what this life is all about. It's all about change until we're, we're into the next world and the next life. So Father, give us wisdom that if we ever find ourselves in the Valley of Gerar, that we'll get ourselves out of there before you have to kick us out. And help us, Lord, not to be afraid of persecution, but realizing that persecution is going to bring greater blessing and it's going to display more greatly your power. And in and of itself, it's going to be a greater witnessing opportunity than just sitting fat and being blessed. Because that gives the false impression to this world that if you follow Jesus, 
you're going to be healthy, wealthy, wise, and rich. The wealth, wealth and health prosperity gospel, it's just a bunch of bunk. And that's not what our life is about anyway. We're to appreciate the blessings, but worship the one who blesses us, you. Father, we love you and we praise you. And we ask these things in Yeshua's name. Amen.